It's time for Let's Get Real with your host from Bob Richards and Associates, Bob Richards. Hey, Bob, how you doing? Good afternoon, Michael. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fine, thank you. And welcome back to your show. Thank you. It's good to be back (laughs) in my show. (laughs) I'm glad you will allow me to be a part of your show, Let's Get Real. Oh, Bob Richards. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we had such a good time on the last show. We figured we'd do it again. Absolutely. Um, there's a couple things that we felt it was important to um, to talk about, and you know, I've been I've been in and around the real estate industry myself for a mm-hmm. number of years, and so I've learned that there are a few things that a person should not do before they buy a home. I've had so many people say, oh, I want to buy a home, but I went out and bought a new car. (laughs) To put it in the garage of the new home. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It'll look so great next to my new Razor (laughs) (laughs) that I also just bought. Oh, dear. So so help us out here, Bob. We're looking to buy a new house here in the area. Um, What are some things... I should not do. And I hate to start off on the negative, but let's be negative. And we'll turn that into a positive. Absolutely. So what are some things that I, as a prospective home buyer, should definitely not do before I buy my new home? Well, we all joking aside, you're absolutely right, Michael. There, there's no vehicle to buy. There's no boat to buy, no toy to buy, uh, no furniture to buy. Uh, you wait on those things after you've purchased the home uh, because your lender is going to be looking at how much you're making and how much you're spending a month. If you're spending too much before or over and above what you're making, well, you're kind of upside down financially. The lender's yeah. going to like, well, I don't think they can afford this. And if they try, they'll eventually go to default and will have to foreclose we're going to deny their loan. So even just the smallest of uh, credit cards, uh, don't don't go after and get another credit card. Don't increase your limit. Um, keep everything down. Pay things down as quickly as you can as you're going through this process uh, because that's going to be extremely critical. And another biggie right now that, Michael, uh, people don't understand, and folks, let's get real, it's the fact that if you're getting your credit pulled by different lenders – three, four different lenders, and they and they start pulling credit and saying, oh, we can do this for you, we can do this for you. Each time they do that to a buyer, that credit score drops 10, 10 points quite often, yeah. eight, 8 to 10, but very often it's 10. So what might be an 800 credit score might end up being 760 by the time they're ready to make application because their, their credit's been pulled uh, four different times and lose 10 points each time. Yeah, um, I actually had that happen to me one time when I was when I didn't know what the heck I was doing. <laughs> you know, all these lenders say, "Hey, you win, give you a great deal here. No, come to us, we will give you a great deal." So I went to all these guys. They pulled all my credit, and what was a really good credit score, it went down below the threshold, and so now it was like, "Well, you know, uh, your credit score just went down forty points. What? Yeah, three days ago exactly. it was higher." And they go, "Well, you pulled all these credit scores." Well, thank you, and now your house payment's going to be one hundred twenty dollars mm-hmm. more per month. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Just like that. Just like yeah. that. So guys, yeah, don't go to 12 different lenders and have them all pull your credit score. No. You're going to be you're going to lose. Yeah. Um I'm some I think another good one is um I I've had some friends and I know you've had people do the same thing. Um one guy quit his job. Okay? So and this is cool. I go, "What are you doing?" He goes, "Well, 
In order for me to buy this house that I want, I have to get this job, and they've made me an offer that I'm that I can't refuse. So I'm going to accept their offer, and I'm going to quit my job, and then I'm going to start my new job in a month. It's like, dude, n- no, don't don't no. quit your job. No, absolutely not. <laughs> there, there, that does happen a lot uh, more often than we think. We laugh yeah. about it, but you know what is really true? Uh, that contract of that new position with a few more dollars an hour or salary or whatever it might be sounds wonderful. But if you go from, let's say, being a, a, a framer and then go into selling cell phones, uh, the lenders don't like that. You could make $10, $20 more or a bigger salary, but they're still going to deny you the loan because you're going from an industry that you are used to in the trades area as being a roofer uh, or a framer uh, or cement work. I think you get me the, get the idea. And then you go into something that's in sales. It's totally uh, opposite of, right. of that kind of an industry. The lender's going to like, you have not had enough time on the job for us to give you this loan. So you need to season your employment for six to 12 months uh, quite often. Sometimes it's less, but uh, oftentimes it's six months. And you're like, but I want to buy now. Well, I'm sorry you took this other job and congratulations on it. But we have to hold off on seeing how you do if you get through your probation period and and if if they're going to keep you after that typically 90-day probation time. You mentioned a good word there, and I'm going to ask you a question okay. that we haven't talked about before. We haven't talked about this before. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the word seasoning. Yeah. And I know that there are occasions where one of the things that has to be seasoned are the funds that are going to be used as the down payment. So let's say that I need to have $20,000 more to make my down payment. So I go to my buddy. And I go, hey, or maybe I'm sitting on $20,000 cash, mm-hmm. and I just stick that in the bank, and I go, okay, well, now I've got enough money for the uh, down payment because I just put an extra 20000 in the bank. And they go, well, where'd you get that? Well, I had it at home in a shoebox. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, <laughs> doesn't that money have to be seasoned for a few months before it can actually be used as a down payment? It does. And, and when you say, oh, it was in a shoebox, they're going to be like, prove it. Yeah, Right. <laughs> Prove it. Yeah. And you're like, well, why? Here's the shoebox. And, and like, uh, yeah, that's not what we mean. We want to make sure, number one, that those funds did not come to you illegally. That literally is is the first yeah. and main reason is, did you get that from some sort of an illegal source? Secondly, did you get it from some sort of a gambling uh, award uh, in some sort of a you hit the jackpot or whatever it might be? That's number two. Uh, number three is, did you receive it through some sort of a court settlement that now we need to look into that and see, okay, is the settlement finalized? Is it done? Is it still contingent? Has it not been uh, resolved? But here's a token payment. Uh, so then that peels back the onion even more. So yeah, you can't go into a closing even with cash anymore. Back in the 90s when I started, yeah, you could come in with cash and literally put down the Benjamins and and buy the house, your down payment or otherwise. Today, nope, it's a wire or it's a cashier's check. Uh, No cash involved whatsoever because the the paper trail, if you will, or the, the money trail has to be established and confirmed and prove it. Yeah, that's kind of scary. I, I remember, I think the first time that, that I bought a house, we had something similar. It was like, I wrote a check and they go, 
Oh, you need eight hundred more dollars. Oh, hang on, I just whipped out eight hundred dollars. Uh-huh. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, I'll go get yeah, your receipt. I'll go get your receipt. Thank you very much. Just like, well, those days are gone. They are, they are sad, sad but true, and and, and that's just the, the the way things are in in today's world, and and uh, we just have to abide by that, and 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 go with that. How long fact. do the lenders want to see that it's been seasoned? Thanks. Yeah, about three months is pretty typical. It depends on if it was the shoebox or some other source, yeah. um, but oftentimes it's it's 90 days, uh, sometimes a little bit less. I'm kind of giving you a little bit worst case scenario, but it's it's honest so that those that are listening and watching are, are able to understand, okay, uh, what happened to 30 days, Bob? It's really 90. Well, it kind of is mostly 90. If you get less than that, don't feel like I said something wrong, uh, but oftentimes you, you get lucky if it's less than 90 days. So what about if I got it from a tax refund? Oh, Would yeah. that be cool? Good question. Yes. And again, prove it. So your tax return would come back. You'd have a check. You'd make a copy of that check. You would submit that to the lender with your tax return to show, hey, that's a valid return. And here's the dollar amount that I was owed. Here's how much I got. Oh, they're the same. And then on to the next step. But that's another good one, Michael. What about an inheritance? Inheritances are a little bit different. And so another great question, folks, that as you're looking at inheritances that you've received through... um, uh, family or, or business or otherwise, uh, that also is scrutinized because they want to know, okay, where did that inheritance come from? Was it through a trust, a will? Was it court ordered? Was it legal? Mm-hmm. And, and so even the inheritance that was given was all that done properly and according to the trust or the, the surviving document, uh, did that money get dispersed appropriately or was somebody kind of putting the wool over somebody else's eyes? And, and if that's the case, oh my goodness, you're in a world, world of hurt because wow. it starts to show fraud and potential for fraud. Yeah, that's it gets really dicey in those types of mm-hmm. situations. I, re, I remember when, um, when my dad died, we had to go through through that and the inheritance of my brother and I were both in front of the banker and all these people. Mm-hmm. And it was in a trust, but but everything had to be documented. And it was almost like, well, how did he die? It's like, well, yeah, it was natural causes had nothing to do with it. Right. I mean, they asked for all of this paperwork. I mean, it was I'd never experienced anything, anything like that before. It's quite an interrogation. I yeah. mean, you, you see shows that, that people are invited in an inter- interrogation room at a police station. It almost feels like that because you're just, we want this, we want this, we want this. What happened here? What happened there? And, and it does get grueling. And, yeah. and you kind of lose your patience after a while. So you just yeah. have to keep your cool. Yeah. I feel it. like saying, look, here's the money. Yeah. Give me the house. Exactly. <laughs> it exactly. doesn't work like and that. And the death certificate of dad. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it makes it uh, makes it a little crazy. Is there anything else I should not do before buying a house? A couple of things. Don't inflate or underinflate your financials. Make sure they're current, they're accurate, they're honest, folks, because as audits are done with your tax returns, if you filed a certain return and then you've given the lender a different return that looks a little bit more rosy, well, guess what? You're, you're going to get found out. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And, and when that happens, uh, you'll not only be denied for a loan, but you got to get put on somewhat of a blacklist, if you will. So it makes it very difficult for quite a little while for you to be put back on the you can qualify list. So that's, the, that's one. another one that's kind of basic is 
don't forget your child support. If you got to pay it, yeah. pay it because that's another thing that can come up as a, as a, well, you're not, you're not taking care of your bills on time and especially, you know, taking care of your kids. That's kind of an important thing. So don't forget your child support. Don't forget your other bills and obligations that you have. Keep current on that. Don't let anything go past 30 days. Um, because if you do, again, it's a game changer for your ability to buy. So basically if you're looking at buying a new house, you just got to play it straight. And, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here. You're the expert. To me, if I'm going to buy a new house, I'm going to plan for this thing like six to 12 months in advance. Yes. I'm going to get all of my ducks in a row. If I'm self-employed, I'm going to make sure I know where my last two, three years of taxes are so I don't go to the lender and he goes, so I need uh, two years tax returns. Oh, they're at the other house. I uh-huh. left those in uh, California. <laughs> uh, the dog ate them. <laughs> <laughs> you got to make sure you're prepared. You can't. Yeah, I don't think you, you can't pull the bull over anybody's right. eyes anymore. You, Not anymore. It's important no. to be prepared. If you're self-employed, there are certain things that you need that are different than if you're. Yes. If you have like a regular job, kind of a thing. Right. We we had that in one of our podcasts previously with uh, Josh Brown, uh, oh, our, yeah. our mortgage lender, that had described and expressed what would necessarily be different versus somebody with a 1099 versus a W two, self-employed or or employed by someone and and what the different rules are for that. So if if people need to refresh their memory on that, go back to one of these other uh, previous podcasts and listen. So I'm going to ask you another question we haven't talked about before. So we're talking about seasoned money and good funds for a down payment. Um, What if I own a bunch of crypto? Does that count as seasoned funds and money? How do we work with that? Big question mark on that these days, Michael. Uh, there are transactions of real estate that are selling with cryptocurrency and or a portion of or down payment comes from. It is considered tender. Legal tender is the question mark. And so there's, boy, it's a, it's an instantaneous change of value within a nanosecond. I mean, it just constantly, 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 constantly changing far faster than the stock market, the Dow Jones yeah. or, or the NASDAQ. And so it is considered as, as viable funds in order to purchase real estate. Just have to be a little bit careful. Talk to your accountant, your CPA, talk to your lender and find out what the rules are of what you can and cannot offer when it comes to uh, crypto money and cryptocurrency. I know a lot of people nowadays are investing in precious metals, gold and mm-hmm. silver. Is that something that can be used as a down payment, or does that need to be converted to cash and then seasoned, or can I just walk in with my bag of gold coins and go, right. and there you go? Yeah, yeah, here's from the Lucky Charms Bowl. I've got yeah. my gold coins here. <laughs> what do I do uh, with this right, stuff? Right, right. It has to be turned into liquid cash. A value of, of gold or silver or other precious metals, again, they go up and down. And so whatever the value of that gold is that you have turned into cash on that day is what the value of it. Uh, of it is. It may be less tomorrow, it may be more tomorrow, but whatever that value is on that day that you turn that in is what the value is that you get towards putting down uh, towards the house. But again, has to be seasoned. Okay. So this is what I'm going to get clear on. So let's say I've got $10,000 worth of gold. Mm -hmm. I convert it to cash. Mm -hmm. 
I've got to let that thing season for 30 to 90 days before it's a viable, uh, um, useful for the down payment? Yes, and as much documentation as possible between you and the buyer so that it's legit. It wasn't uh, under the table. It wasn't used for illegal activity or fraud, but it's something that's a, a, a normal transaction between a buyer and a seller uh, with, with precious coins versus a car or a motorcycle. It, it, it's always give and take, buy and sell. Uh, it just has to have some sort of an explanation and, and knowledge of this was an above-the-table um, transaction between a, a, a buyer and a seller. Yes. Wow. Yeah, it gets I'm, a I'm glad more we're talking about this because I know a lot of people that have uh, that got some precious metals and it's like, well, you know, I've been this has gone up. I've got quite a lot mm -hmm. over the years. I'm just going to go down and uh, buy a house. It's like mm, I don't know about that. Yeah, <laughs> we should talk to Bob and see how that works <laughs> nowadays because I'm not really sure. It's listed as an asset. So many people that keep their their uh, precious metals in a safe and, and list that as an asset and and then have to show individuals what that is and how much it's worth uh, to verify the value as an asset uh, towards your debt to income ratio. Uh, that's often or more often what's happening than actual taking that physical metal in to be cashed out. Okay. There's another topic I want to I want to discuss with mm -hmm. you, and that is it has pertaining to home improvements. I've talked to a lot of people over the years who tell me, you know what, Mike, I'm going to sell my home. But to get the most money out of it that I possibly can, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to install a new pool. Mm. And that will increase the value of my home. Uh. Or, <laughs> or I'm going to do this. And it's, I'm going, well, I don't think that's really a good idea. What are some things, once again, focusing on the negative, what are some things I should not do to improve my home before I sell it, thinking that it's going to increase the value of my property? Understood. And, and folks, as we've been talking about today, we're, we're, Michael and I have mentioned new homes. It doesn't mean new construction. It means your next home. It could be yeah. a Resale. It could be a 1940s home. It could be a 2023 home. So as we say, new home, uh, we're not just talking about new construction. But back to your question, Michael, the the answers are: you focus on the kitchen and the master bath. Always, always one and two. A swimming pool, you're going to lose your shirt. Yeah. Uh, if you put a hundred and ten thousand dollar pool in, you may get forty to fifty thousand dollars back, mm -hmm. maybe, but you won't get dollar for dollar. And uh, if you've got, if your grass is a little bit uh, not so good, mow it. Put a little fertilizer <laughs> on it. Maybe put some water on it. You never know what might happen. But don't feel like that you need to pull out all of the the grass and put in artificial sod or turf. Yeah, you get a little bit of a discount there. But maybe the maybe the buyer has some dogs. Maybe they've got kids that they don't want to have. You know, artificial uh, burns, uh, rug burns on their on their knees or whatever when they go play. Um, be very careful about what you're trying to portray to the buyer of your home because you may customize it too much to them that they're like, oh. Thanks for what you've done, but we're going to redo it anyway. And yeah. you're like, well, but what about the money that, well, yeah, that's something you're just going to have to eat. So, so keep it less is more. Uh, keep it as empty as possible. Don't get too colorful, but a, a can of paint or two uh, in a home, and especially the lighter colors, that's what sells these days, light, space, neutral. And so if you've got something that's dark in a room, maybe the home theater room might be a little bit too dark. Well, that's not so much because home theater rooms are going to be dark, right? Yeah. Uh, but if it's a bedroom or an office and it feels kind of drab, uh, throw some paint on it. But don't, don't just say, oh, it's good enough. The buyer is going to look through the home and scrutinize it 
all to the nth degree until they found a home that are like, you know what, we like what they've done or we like what they've done and we can go in and do a few more things that customizes it to our needs and our liking. But oftentimes, if you or I was to do that for for a buyer, yeah, we goofed, we yeah. picked wrong, uh, we we put in LVP and they wanted all tile, and now it all got it's all going to come out, and and they're going to make their offer based upon we got to replace it with tile and not right. look at that beautiful LVP. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Or you put in pink shed carpeting. Yes. And now I want a carpet. Allowance. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And a rake. And yeah. a rake. To, yeah. To rake the carpet. <laughs> you know, I understand, Bob, that you have another really great home that you'd like to showcase with Thanks, us today. Thanks, Michael. I do. I do. Which one um, is this? Folks, this is a, a townhome that's over in uh, uh, west part of St. George off of Dixie Drive. It's in a, a project called Silver Creek. Uh, they're all freestanding, so a, a townhome can be uh, considered as attached, but also detached. And so this is a detached unit within an HOA that has an indoor and outdoor pool, um, sport court, beautiful water fountains, and that kind of a thing. This home has been stripped to the studs and all redone with just brand new everything. So you've got a whole new fireplace, a brand new shower instead of, instead of a tub shower in the master bath that's just a step in, uh, easy to use, easy to get in and out of. The kitchen's all brand new, new cabinets, new appliances, new countertops, new, 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 new. Uh, I don't think there's really anything that, well, I think maybe the garage door opener Clicker is probably, uh, you know, maybe original, but everything else has really just been uh, taken down to the studs and redone. It's a three-bedroom and a den, uh, and just about 1,600 square feet. We have it priced at 489 right now. It's unit number 60 in the Silver Creek townhomes just off of Dixie Drive in 540 North. It's a beautiful home. And, you know, I, I didn't see any pink shag carpeting in no, there. No, no, I, I did stage it, and so there's a little <laughs> bit of pink in there, but it's it's more just some accent pieces, but no on the pink carpet. But well, that's Thanks good. for noticing that we didn't do that. It's a, it's a beautiful home. <laughs> so, Bob, before we go today, what are, just to kind of recap, um, tell me some things that we should not do to improve our home to make more money. And tell me some things we should not do before we buy our, our next home. So, uh, again, don't, don't customize. When you go to sell, don't customize. They, they're going to look at your home. You want, it to, you want them to look at their home. So do anything that you can to neutralize it and, and, and make it as a palette, an artist palette with, uh, with, with colors of all sorts of shades. Allow them to make their own color choices for that palette and, and have them go in and do as they wish to whenever that is after closing. Don't go into big bucks remodels because uh, you may not, well, you won't get it back. If you try to do it and then sell it just right after you've completed the remodel, it may not bring back the return that you're looking for or at all. Uh, and so you may have done it just as a, a hobby or, or, but not as a moneymaker or profit center. Again, like you say, Michael, no pickleball courts, no swimming pools, no big detached RV garages. Leave that for the next owner. You've taken it to a certain point in time with this home that you've enjoyed for many months, hopefully for many years, and now are ready to move on to something else. And then on the buy side, once again, stay out of debt, keep your credit good, don't just shop interest rates. That's another biggie right now. Make sure that the whole package is presented to you and not just, what's your rate today? What do you charge for rate? What's the interest rate? Uh, there's more to it than that. So don't don't just uh, uh, think that it's interest rate shopping because then you get into the multiple credit polls and your credit score goes down. And now we're dealing, instead of a $500,000 purchase, you're maybe looking at 430. Wow. That's a big difference. Well, Bob... 
great words of wisdom today. Thanks, Michael. Thank you so much for uh, joining us on your show. Thank you. Glad to have you here. <laughs> if people want to get a hold of you, where do they find you? You know, pretty easy. Uh, 435-703-Utah. That's my cell phone. That's 435-703-8824. But if you remember 703-Utah, you'll know how to find me. You can call me, can text me, uh, whatever you might have. Questions, I love to answer uh, either by phone or text or email. Um, there are no dumb questions when it comes to real estate. So please, please ask. Great. Thanks a lot. We'll see you guys again next time on another edition of Let's Get Real with Bob Richards. This has been Let's Get Real with Bob Richards from Bob Richards and Associates. For more information, buyutah.com. We invite you to return again for another edition of Let's Get Real with Bob Richards from Bob Richards and Associates.